0: Never, ever marks the spot.
1: I am altering the deep. Pray I don't offer it any further.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report the podcast that is worthy and can lift Thor's hammer when it's made out of Legos. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me as always is my brother Peter. Here. Hey man, how's it going? Uh pretty good. How about you? I'm um, all right. How's your week been?
1: Um, it's kind of been a week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Nothing too exciting going on with me. How about you? Well, um
0: as America engages in its usual every now and then foreplay of voting in someone else into the new office and governors, presidents, right. Senate, whatever, um, we decided to take time out from watching any voting election nonsense to record an episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, it's election night. It's uh, November 8th. And we're all kind of like drowning in sorrows that we didn't win the lottery like the lucky person over in California did. But hey, you know,
1: yeah, (laughs) at least I played and gave it a shot. (laughs) Well, to bring it back to uh, pop culture, the thing you have to remember about elections is just like South Park taught us, the choice is always between a douchebag and a turd sandwich. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) And then if you want to think about it, um, as far as The Simpsons goes, there's uh, that great, I feel like it's probably one of the uh, treehouse of Terror episodes, but there's the great one where it's the two alien creatures are running against each other. And the one uh, one of them has the election slogan, no matter who you choose, you're all doomed or <laughs> whatever. And uh, that's kind of the way I like to think about politics most of the time. So
0: sure. So there you go. <laughs> Speaking of Treehouse or horror and moving into another category, did you watch the this year's episode of Treehouse of horror?
1: No, and I don't think I've watched a new Treehouse of Horror for years, so uh all right. Yeah, if you watched it, tell me about it. <laughs> I did
0: not. I did not because I didn't get a chance to yet. I'm this is one that I definitely plan on watching because um Oh, this is
1: the one with the uh there's a death note uh, parody, yeah, right? There's yeah. Yeah, okay. Note parody
0: and it's done in an anime style as well. So, um I was really kind of <laughs> excited to check it out. So, that's awesome. I know. Oh,
1: I I remember there was a uh, Futurama episode where they did it was like a three part episode. Like there's three like 10 minute segments and they were each done in a different animation style. So like one of them was like your classic like 30s or 40s, like rubber hose, like classic animation style. But I don't remember what the other one was. But then the third one was an anime style segment. And it was kind of done as like this 80s like almost like Voltron-esque, just like 80s old school anime, like for kids sort of thing. And it was just such a brilliant parody. So I don't know, Matt Groening has... It has at least one amazing anime parody under his belt so i, I don't yeah, this is a good reminder i should definitely check out this year's uh, treehouse of horror but yeah <laughs> yeah all right well since you didn't watch that what did you watch this week <laughs> that's a funny question because i literally didn't watch anything this week <laughs> and i hate coming to the table empty-handed but it's just one of those weeks that I don't think I watched anything, and it was like anytime I sat down at the TV, it was just like watching old movies and stuff. So nothing new or exciting for me, so I feel like I'm super boring this week, but that's just how it is sometimes. So uh, how about you, Drew? What did you, <laughs> what did you watch well, this week?
0: <laughs> um, I've continued on with my Goldbergs watching a little bit. I have um, found out that instead of watching Friends as background noise, um, Sword Art Online has become my background noise show. <laughs> which is kind of, awesome. which is which is kind of cool. <laughs> nice. It's like like I finish it and I check out another anime and I'm like, nah, I'm gonna watch Sword Art again. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse, whoa, swallowed wrong. Um, yeah, so that's been kind of fun. Um, I did check out Blockbuster on um, uh, Netflix that dropped. Nice. Um, have you checked? You have not checked this out? Because no, I haven't watched watch it. it, and I haven't seen any
1: hype. <laughs> about this either like literally the only thing I've heard about this show is through you on this podcast which is really weird (laughs) like I feel like I would have thought I would have seen more hype for it so uh Uh, yeah how was it I agree I'm only about I'm probably about halfway through
0: um the uh, I don't actually know how long the season is I'm just kind of rolling with it I saw a couple mixed reviews like IGN gave it like a six Which wasn't like the best, but it's a sitcom about the final, the their last remaining blockbuster video. Um, Here's the thing: it's a sitcom in the in the realm of what a sitcom is. There's some funny moments, but ultimately, I think I think when I heard that they were doing this show, my brain went. Oh, my gosh, you have the opportunity to do like the movie waiting in a blockbuster and it could be. amazing. Yeah. Um I don't feel like. I don't feel like they have true movie fans writing this show. Yeah, because their movie references. Some of them are deep cut, which is nice, but some of them are like, like, I feel like it's a reach more than anything (laughs) um like they're like they're playing the movie reference to a joke and I'm like you work in a video store man like I really feel like the conversation about movies would be more than what it is and I don't feel like I just don't feel like they have I don't I I don't want to blame the writers directly but I feel like it's it's a writing issue as opposed to like a directing or something like that um and it's just the idea of you know where um what they're trying to do with the show and maybe it's because it hasn't really found its legs yet but like I said there's some really funny bits to the show um and then there's some and then it kind of drops so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give it like right where IGN did like right now for me it's about a six um ultimately it's okay but it's not the best show out there um well
1: that's 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 sad to hear. And it's one of the I feel like I've experienced that before where you see these like nerd culture, like pop culture based shows and you're like, okay, it was good, but it's just not as good as it could be. And uh, just listening to you talk about it, I feel like you have Kevin Smith who did the Masters of the Universe show for Netflix why didn't Netflix have Kevin Smith in the writer's room for the blockbuster series? Like, I feel like he is the guy to go to for that sort of thing. And I don't know who they had writing the show, but it just seems like such a shoe in. Like, this is like what Kevin Smith made his career on is like movies that talk about other movies. And you're already working with this guy over here, bring him into the blockbuster show. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I don't really know. I just it's it doesn't
0: sit right with me the way I was expecting. It's kind of like the expectations I had going in. It's not sitting well with me like it could. So I don't know. I'm not all the way done with it. So maybe I'll have a different opinion when it's over and I'll see it through to the end of the season at the very least. Um, But, yeah, there's a what the part that got me laughing the most. And it's a physical gag, but it was awesome. Um one of the neighboring stores to the blockbuster. So it's a blockbuster that's in like a strip mall. So you get to meet some of the other business owners. Oh yeah. Right. And one of them is a party city. And, um, (laughs) the, and the guy who runs the party city went into the stock room to get something. And there was a bee in the stock room and he kind of swatted it away. And then he heard another bee and he's like, what, what? And he's like following the like couple bees he found. And then they all like climbed into a pinata and he's like, no, that can't be a thing. And he jabs <laughs> the pinata with like a broomstick and the whole pinata had like a bee's nest inside it. And they all just, like, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing at the, like the one, the idea of that is like totally, I'm sorry, but it is realistic. Like, why not? Like, that's hilarious. And then the fact that he's like, there's no way and jabs it. <laughs>
1: That was the part that was funny. Um, That's amazing. There's a yeah. there's a bit like that. I, I can't remember if it was on Jackass or Viva La Bam, but there was definitely a B pinata bit for at one point, which is just hilarious. But uh, yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
0: um, so aside from Blockbuster, I also watched Top Gun again this weekend. Amazing, love oh. that movie. I think what we're gonna do right now is stop everything we had planned, skip the show, and just talk about Top Gun for the rest of the night.
1: Well, I was going to say, um, how does it hold up at home? Because I haven't watched <laughs> it at
0: home yet. Um, we are not going to do that with the show because otherwise, I mean, <laughs> we could. We're just not going to spend the whole night on Top Gun. Um, it holds up. It really does. Um, I, it just doesn't have, like, seeing it on IMAX is a completely different experience. Like, because my TV is 65 inches. So, going from a 75-foot screen to 65 inches is a big Is a big difference, but the movie holds up and it plays the same. And I just made sure the volume was up so I can get the jet sounds and all that stuff. And my surround, my system's pretty good, so ultimately it holds up when you throw in like the audio and everything. So
1: yeah, as much as there's that difference between the. Uh... Big screen and like your home theater setup. Like, I feel like the sound is really what I would expect would be the most jarring dis- difference. Cause when you're in the theater, you don't necessarily think about it, but the soundtrack and the sound effects in that movie um just yeah you know effects and music wise the soundtrack is so amazing and hearing it on those like huge movie theater uh speakers really makes the film I feel but again I haven't watched it at home so I'll definitely have to check that out soon <laughs> yeah so we'll see um but yeah I mean take check it out it's awesome
0: um the other thing that I watched was weird um, yes
1: okay this this is what I was meaning to watch and then didn't find time, but I hear mixed things, but it's oh. also like, I think I've been hearing good things and then the mixed reviews are people who just didn't get it is kind of what I'm gleaning from it. But so the, every, like the critics and like, like the the reviewers that
0: I don't want to say the reviewers that matter, But I think you know what I mean by that statement. Like the critics that are critics to be critics understand film on a level higher than the average moviegoer is loving this movie. Right. The average moviegoer who is giving it the mixed reviews where they don't know what they're watching is because they truly don't get it. Yeah. Or they didn't understand going in or it's it's almost like they're looking at this going – why is everyone saying this is amazing? Um, some of the things that I found out before I watched the movie. One, um, they shot it in 18 days. Um, nice. That is, that is unheard of because most, most movies take three to four months um, minimum. So they shot this in 18 days, which is like student film level shooting. Um, they did not get Madonna's permission to do any of the stuff they did with Madonna. Um, <laughs> the... Weird Al ended up re recording several of his original songs, um, several of his not originals, but original parodies, like yeah. they "Ride Rides the Bus and, um, uh, Eat It and, uh, My Bologna. And like he recorded, re recorded several of the stuff. Um, they did not play it as a comedy, they played it incredibly straight, the way like the airplane movies are played straight. And, um, A lot of comedies today are played straight. They didn't play it for the laughs. They didn't play it for one liners. They played it like a biopic was meant to be played in a serious way, which adds to the humor because it's weird out. Um, And it's I thought it was hilarious and I laughed quite a bit through it. And when the 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 movie does take a weird turn, no pun intended, but it does take (laughs) that turn and it gets really bizarre, but it gets bizarre in the way that Weird Al, like, you know, Weird Al to be. So if you've been a fan of Weird Al, you're probably going to go, this is amazing. (laughs)
1: That's Um, awesome. I'm glad you're leaving this vague. Everything you're saying is making me want to watch this movie even more than I already did. So I, I don't want to spoil it for you because you
0: haven't seen it. Yeah. But I also don't want to spoil it. I don't want to like say the wrong thing and turn off our audience because I think our audience should go see this movie because it's fantastic. And I will say this. Daniel Radcliffe. I'm sold. I'm down. I get it. He was great. Um, And it's very clear that they chose him. And I watched um Daniel Radcliffe and Weird Al both went on Seth Meyers and they talked about the movie. And uh, Weird Al said that Daniel Radcliffe was his first choice. Um, And even though they looked at some other options, they all kept going back to Daniel Radcliffe. And one of the things he said is like, look, he's a serious actor who has done comedy and done dramatic. And he's like that perfect blend of what we're looking for to tell this story and play it straight. And I'm like, that's awesome. Okay, I'm in. So it kind of gave me some reassurance going into the movie. Then um, uh, Evan Rachel Wood went on Seth Mott. And they were talking about it as well, and he was asking about Madonna, and she was like, well, I found out, like, 10 days into shooting that they never actually got permission um, to do the stuff they did with Madonna, and I thought that was hilarious. But Evan Rachel Wood was saying, I hope that when they make the Madonna biopic and they're praising whatever actress plays Madonna, someone is going to go, yeah, but did you see what Evan Rachel Wood did in the Weird Al movie? (laughs) Nice. Um, And I'll tell you this. Madonna, Evan Rachel Wood was my favorite part about the movie. She was, and that, like, yeah, she was not, in my opinion, the funny part about the movie, but she was amazing in the movie. Like, she's a great actress, but she was just amazing in the movie, um, because they were playing it straight and not to be funny. Um, so I was really just impressed with her, aside from all the other stuff that I thought was funny. So, I would definitely not give it the mixed review. I'm telling you it's a lot of fun and I had a great time watching it. So.
1: Yeah, no, as soon as you started talking about it, I could tell that uh, you loved this movie. I just think uh, the, the mixed reviews I've heard from it is just like people who I don't think necessarily got it and probably don't necessarily get weird al's humor in certain ways but i think it all sounds sounds awesome so i'm definitely excited well about this and, one. It's even, just... <laughs> and it's
0: even introed by weird al and he says thanks for watching my 100 true biopic story <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome you know so it's really funny that like you know it's like the whole thing happened um that's and that's great. where and like you gotta remember it's weird al and he's making he's making a biopic about his life some of the things about his life are real like how he got the accordion actually happened. How he, his recording of his first single actually happened. His meeting with the producers actually happened. Like, there's stuff in there that's real. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff that's 100% true. Yeah, it all happened.
1: (laughs) The thing Um, that's interesting, though, is it's probably just as real as most, um, most like band and musician biopics. Like, when you look at, like, I loved the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, but when you actually look into, what from that movie is true and what was fabricated, you'd be surprised how much aspects of that movie were just either exaggerated or just flat out like made up. And it's like kind of disappointing because you want, you know, you want to watch the real story. And like in a weird way, it seems like this Weird Al movie is kind of criticizing that, you know, like Hollywood will take the true story of a band or a musician, and then they will put it through this cookie cutter template of what a band biopic should be. And then they give you the cookie cutter version, even though that's not necessarily at all, how a lot of things happened in a lot of cases. And uh, I don't want to get on too much of a soapbox about this. It's just like what you're saying is making me feel like it's almost like there's a bit of underlying criticism in this movie for band biopics in general, which I think sounds, is kind of an interesting undertone tone. It sounds like so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I can't wait to see what your opinion is. So
0: awesome. I'll try to watch it All for right. next week. <laughs> well, since you didn't watch anything else, I'm going to say that well, let's jump into the news because we got some Sweet. stuff there. And a lot of this is like really, really cool stuff. So, um, let me get, uh, let me get out of the way the, um, non-related stuff. The onesie twosies ones, I guess I could say. Um, so first off, HBO has canceled Westworld. Yeah, I heard about this. This is a kind of bummer, not because I like the show Westworld, but because they're um, canceling it without a closing. So. The producers were hoping for a fourth and final season to kind of wrap it all up. But HBO is closing or shutting it down now. Um, So it's kind of left with the cliffhanger ending from season three. The only saving grace I'll say about this is, first off, I thought the show was great. I had a lot of fun watching it. It really made you think, that kind of stuff. Cool special effects, cool visuals, just everything I thought was a lot of fun. Very good writing. Um, Deadwood had – they ended up having a movie later on that closed everything out. So that's not unheard of for HBO to do. So maybe we get that down the road. But right now we're not getting a season four. So I don't know if you can add to that, but yeah
1: we live in an age of revived, um, franchises. Like you look at, um, like you said, Deadwood, you look at Futurama. Yeah. Futurama, you look at Young Justice. Like there's a lot, if the online community wants more Westworld, I feel like we potentially can see that within the somewhat near future, but, um, yeah, it is, it is disappointing to hear, but, uh, yeah, it's, I guess really it kind of is what
0: it is. <laughs> it's really funny that you use those exact words. We live in an age of revived franchises because Warner Brothers Discovery will focus on popular franchises like Harry Potter, House of the Dragon, Superman and Lord of the Rings. Um, Remember how I talked about last week that they want to make more Harry Potter movies? Yeah. OK, so, yes, they're looking at all this other stuff and taking a look at the franchises they own. But they also want to make more Lord of the Rings movies, <laughs> which I think is interesting. And here's why it's this is interesting because amazon has their lord of the Rings show that they're doing but warner brothers still owns the movie rights to make movies yeah so we might have dueling lord of the Rings stuff going on
1: <laughs> as as um, far as i know amazon owns the rights specifically to the time period that uh rings of power takes place yeah and and warner brothers understand. still has the rights to like Everything else Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I know. So it sounds like we are gonna have dueling Lord of the Rings. And uh to me this sounds hilarious. Um I'm I can't wait to hear like the feedback from the fans of who prefers the Warner Brothers version <laughs> and who prefers the Amazon Prime version and all that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Um all right.
0: I got a couple more like side stories and then one giant one which a whole bunch of details. So um First off, uh, the Acolyte, Star Wars, the Acolyte, the series about the Sith Empire or the Sith or whatever it's supposed to be, um, that takes place before The Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode I, had their cast list released. Um, No character names, just the cast list. Um, Some of these actors I don't know. Some of them I recognize. But the one that caught my attention was Carrie Ann Moss from Matrix which I don't think oh, I knew okay. she was in, which I just, I just didn't know she was in. But take a look at the cast list. It was kind of interesting. It's a very diverse cast, but, you know, some of these people might be aliens. They might not entirely be playing what they look like. And, you know, this, you know, we we want more aliens in our Star Wars right now. And I'm really interested to see um, this series just because I want to see the Sith Empire stuff. Like I love the Darth Bane novels are yeah. so amazing. And I would love for someone to go back and say, hey, these would be great. Let's do them. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, no character names. Um, Another Star Wars news: uh, Cassian Andor season two begins filming later this month, and they will bring us back to Yavin Four. Um, this season of Andor has been my frustration with it, and it's probably going to be my review at the end. Is it's good, but it is way too slow and doesn't feel like Star Wars. The way we have known Star Wars to feel
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay that is my review right now and it's probably going to hold ultimately I'm enjoying it and there's a lot of good stuff to it the internet however did get like hyper excited about this most recent episode about how it ended and I was like that was okay I don't understand some of the internet hype to be completely honest and I don't <laughs> want to say my Star Wars fandom is waning but the way like The way people are raving about this show, I don't think matches what the show is. Because I'm going in expecting. Star Wars and I'm not getting Star Wars to the capacity that I expect to get Star Wars. But that's me. I'm still I'm still under this assumption that it is Star Wars, James Bond. And that's how I'm watching the show. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I can't comment too much because I'm still really behind on Andor. And I think it is because of that that slow pacing that I haven't been unfortunately haven't been motivated to catch up, but I really need to. But um, I don't know the interesting or the Internet is an interesting place because it's like when the Internet decides it really likes something, it is like passionately devoted to that thing. And then if it decides yeah. it doesn't like it, that thing it it absolutely hates it and can't find any redeeming qualities so i guess Andor is a series that the internet likes so <laughs> that's good <Yep>. to hear <laughs>
0: um in other lucasfilm news this got me really excited um and it's i kind of expected this to happen just maybe not so soon but then again they are ramping towards this so indiana jones 5 is on the brink of getting to our table um so we can finally know what the title is get to see a trailer that kind of thing um an indiana jones series is currently in development at disney plus um so we are officially looking at probably recasting indie um, yeah i know back in the uh 90s they did a television series called young indiana jones which <clears throat> some of it i've seen and i i didn't i never saw the whole thing um but it was a series called Young Indiana Jones, and it started mm-hmm. with him being young, like, you know, 10, 11, 12, and kind of rolling through his, like, teens into his early 20s. Um, and some of it was really, really good. Some of it is not—it wasn't, in my opinion, but that is only because I was young and wanted something specific about my Indiana Jones. And I'm like, well, no, where's the hat and the whip? And, the like, <laughs> he doesn't oh, have you. yet. And, you know, so— um, but this could be really cool if handled well. And I say that we always say if handled right or done right. Um, but this is the first time that Indy won't be Harrison Ford. You know, that's yeah. why I say that if handled well, this could be really cool, I think. So,
1: yeah, awesome. it's um. <laughs> my thoughts are pretty much exactly what you said. Like, if they do it right, it'll be awesome. And uh, let's see what they do. But um. Yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to add anything to that. It's just like seems I'm tentatively excited, I guess, is what I can say for now.
0: All right. Um, To commemorate Gears of War's 16th anniversary, Netflix revealed that it's partnered with uh, Collation to adapt Gears of War into a live action film, which will be followed by an adult animated series with potentially more stories to follow. Awesome. On all details. Um, Seeing this as a live action movie would be amazing. But because of how they handled the um, Castlevania anime, seeing an animated Gears of War would be astounding. Yeah, absolutely. Like, wow, this could be cool. So I'm down
1: for (laughs) everything they just said. Um, And I I always loved. Oh, sorry to interrupt. But I always loved how Gears of War really has that sort of like. Almost like 90s image comic aesthetic where it's just like these really huge, burly, muscly dudes who all have giant guns and they're out there to like kill aliens. And you've got the action and the gore. And I feel like that as an animated series could be amazing. So I'm right there with you as far as that goes. But uh, no, what were you saying? What I was going to
0: say was um, the I loved the first game. I liked it a yeah. lot, like loved it the first game, and so it felt very unique and fresh and new. And then when the uh, second game came out, I felt cheated, like they ripped off every sci-fi franchise they could to tell the story. And I'm like, well, this, this is from this movie, and this is from that show, and that's from this, and like it just felt, yeah, cheap. Like it felt like the story, like the campaign, was phoned in because they were so focused on getting the multiplayer better, um, and then. I never played the third one, uh, but I got a. I got. I knew what the story was, so I was like, "All right, I'll just move on." And I tried the other ones, and I just was like, kind of done with it. But the first one was amazing.
1: So, um, as long as they don't phone it in, <laughs> I'm down. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And just commenting on the first game, the thing that imp- impressed me about that at the time, where I haven't revisited it, so I'm kind of curious how well it holds up. But at the time, I felt like that first game, the graphics were so. Like I thought they were incredible when they came out, like I thought it looked like so realistic and stuff. And that's why I think it would actually be pretty interesting to go back to that first Gears of War game, because I remember at the time the graphics just blew my mind. But I guess that's a discussion for another day. Probably. probably. All right. We're going to move into D.C.
0: news now. And all the rest of the news is about D.C. We got some big announcements, Peter Saffron, and James Gunn being named CEO and then sitting down to discuss some stuff. Um, part of the story is James Gunn started talking on Twitter and released some tweets and it makes me very happy and excited to hear this. And then the rest of these stories make me very happy and excited. And I'm going to say this. Warner Brothers and D.C. are not messing around anymore. So let's break this down a little bit. So first off, I'm going to get some of these little ones out of the way. Coming from D.C. at this point, here's what we're waiting for. This is coming next year. OK, so March 2023, we get Shazam. And then in June, we get the Flash. In August, we get Blue Beetle. And then in December, we get Aquaman. OK, so okay. That's, that's next year. Um, so I'm going to let me clear that off my page here real quick and then the batman sequel is reported, look, reportedly being looked at for a 2025 release at the earliest i'm okay with that because they're kind of clean in house right now and the batman movie um, because of the because of M- Matt reeve's like storytelling like the pacing i'm okay with a little bit of break because one of the things i loved about the like original trilogy Star Wars or the prequel trilogy Star Wars is you get a movie and you get to watch it over and over and over again and study and learn and like and all that stuff and speculate. And then a couple of years later, you get the next one. And sometimes no offense to Marvel, but sometimes I don't have the time to digest a movie quick enough before I'm on to the next one. Yeah. Um, and I say that because like Black Panther comes out this weekend. I'm seeing it on Saturday. But what I'm noticing with the Marvel projects, which because of how vast it is, it's starting to feel like work to keep up with. Yeah. Which I think is weird, but I mean, I'm loving it. I'm great. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be there. It's I'm going to like, you guys are doing the Lord's work. I'm going to go see this thing because I want more, but it's starting to feel like work. And it's like, Oh, I got to go see black Panther. Like, like what do I got this weekend? Oh, I got to go see black Panther. (laughs) You know? So it's just, I just find that kind of weird. So anyway, The Batman's scheduled for 2025. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. So officially, the DCU is no longer the DCU. It's officially now called the DCU. So DCEU has officially become DCU. So instead of the DC expanded universe, it's now just officially the DC universe.
1: (laughs) I guess it's easier to say. Sure is. Sure is. (laughs) Let me read you
0: James Gunn's tweets. We'll talk about that real quick, and then we'll talk about the exciting news that is just going to have you all super happy. So here's James Gunn's tweets. Opened up Twitter at the end of a long creative weekend to see many tweets to save Legends of Tomorrow and release the air cut and fan support for other DC projects over the years. The majority of those requests were enthusiastic and respectful. As, as the new and first ever CEOs of DC Studios, Peter and I think it's important that we acknowledge you, the fans, and let you know we hear your different desires for the pathways forward for DC. Although our ability to interact with Twitter has been lessened due to workload of our new position, we are listening and open to everything as we embark on a journey and will continue to do so for the next few years. But our initial focus is on the story going forward hammering out the new DCU and telling the biggest story ever told across multiple films, television shows and animated projects. We invite all the DC fans fandoms from across the multiverse and everyone else as well into this new universe. We can't wait to reveal more. I read these tweets and I take, this is the big thing. One, he specifically said DCU, as I said, it's been changed. The biggest story ever, the biggest story ever, ever across multiple films, television shows and animated projects. And then he says we invite all the DC fandoms from across the multiverse. I would be shocked if they are not doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. I it's really would. All- I really would. Um because that is totally up his alley to try and pull off. So
1: Well, it's uh, not it's not only that, it's amidst all the shakeups that have been occurring at- at Warner Brothers like I feel like a big crisis level event like that would be a good way to just kind of do a soft reboot streamline everything going forward you know take all the current characters we have and stuff and then find a way to fit everything into the same timeline and just go running with it you know what I mean yep. yep now like I said
0: Warner Brothers and DC are not messing around anymore this comes from The Hollywood Reporter, David Zaslav, CEO of, um, the new CEO of Warner Discovery, had lunch with Peter Safran, Christopher Nolan, and Steven Spielberg to discuss Man of Steel 2. Wow. Whatever that's going to be. <laughs> wow is right. Now, Christopher Nolan was an executive producer on the original Man of Steel. Yep. So, awesome. But then bringing in... Um, Spielberg is awesome. And on top of it, Christopher Nolan was a executive producer on Batman vs Superman and the Snyder cut and told Zack Snyder to never see the Whedon cut of Justice League because it never yeah. should exist. So this <laughs> is huge news <laughs> as of right now. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. next piece of news that'll get you really excited. James Bond star Daniel Craig is currently being eyed to play Brainiac in Man of Steel (laughs) 2. Sweet. (laughs) Come on, dude. You're the Superman guy. I'm expecting more than just giggles.
1: (laughs) No, it's awesome. I didn't know about this, but I feel like the thing with when you go back to the Christopher Reeve Superman movies and most of them have like either Lex Luthor or Lex Luthor stand in like I'm looking at you, Superman three, like they'll have like that sort of character (laughs) as the villain. And then you wait like 20 years and you finally get Superman returns. And who is the villain? It's Lex Luthor. And he has a giant crypt, you know, kryptonite island. And like, as much as I love that movie, it's kind of like, At that point, we were in a world of CGI and it's like, man, I want to see Brainiac or Doomsday or Parasite or Metallo. Like, give me a Superman villain that you can use the CGI for and really do justice to nowadays. And then once Snyder came came around with Man of Steel and that version of General Zod and then how he brought uh, Doomsday into Batman v Superman. I was like, this stuff is amazing because this is the type of villains that I've been wanting to see. From a Superman movie for so long, and then when you go into the uh, Krypton show and that representation of Brainiac and stuff, I feel like as much as like I can complain that like I want, I've been wanting Man of Steel for Man of Steel two for so long. I do feel like the last decade I've been given so many good like Superman character and villain representations that like this Daniel Craig news just adds to that excitement. So that's why I'm like giggling, because it's like, dude, I loved the Krypton version of Brainiac. So that's like, it's like, I loved that. But I'm also excited to see what they're going to bring to the table in these new movies. So I just think it's awesome all around. But really, with Superman, especially, I feel like ever since Man of Steel, really, I feel like when you really tally up all the Superman stuff we've gotten, there's like a gluttony of uh, media that we've gotten. So it's kind of like, I feel like the days of complaining that Superman returns is the best we got for so long. I feel like those days are over because there's just so much when you really take a step back and look at it, there's so much to be excited about. And this is just adding to it. So that's kind of where my reaction is yeah. to this, if that makes yeah. sense. So. Oh, I hear you.
0: And I have one more news story for you, and it's the and it's the best. One. And I saved it for last on purpose. Awesome. <laughs> another post by James Gunn. This is another James Gunn post. The, the The line on the post simply reads "Glad to be here," and it shows a picture of Lobo.
1: <laughs> we called it last week. I know. I think we it was last it week it. talking about this. <laughs> We talked about
0: it last week, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And it's just James Gunn and all the stuff. He just posts a picture of Lobo and it says, "Glad to be here." That is uh, that is awesome. <laughs> so oh, Lobo's coming to the DC universe. There's no way he puts that out without, you know, like that's it's. I'm just, yeah. This I honestly don't know what to say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Lobo. Just to me, like I know we talked about it, but it just seems such like such a no brainer. Like Lobo seems like such a. James Gunn kind of character like such a character that he would do justice to so i just felt like that was such a no brainer like if James Gunn is kind of stepping in as like the Kevin Feige figure in, at DC like i feel like Lobo is like definitely going to happen but that is that is awesome and i can't wait to uh wait to see what happens here. And really <laughs> comes down to it, it just proves that uh, James Gunn is listening to our show. So uh, yeah, thanks for, yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening, James Gunn. Thanks for listening, James Gunn.
0: I can't wait for Peacemaker season two. So um, yeah, actually I can't wait to see everything, but I know Peacemaker season two is a little closer than most of the stuff that he's working on right now. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that is it for the news, man. So um, a lot of just, Great news overall. I can't wait to see what DC's got coming on the pipe. Um, I feel like DC is in very smart, capable hands right now. And um, I'm just excited. But
1: yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot to be excited about. This is awesome. So
0: yeah. All
1: right. Well, are you ready to talk about
0: tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right, everybody. It is list time. So let's roll the thing. For the top five All right Peter hey um, it is time for the nice list um, this one was my pick um, this I went with an actor this tonight because um, one we don't do actors very often and when I looked at our list of lists um, I realized this are we've only done a handful of like individual people. Yeah, um, let, let's see. We've only done an, a, a one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, fourteen 14 total in the, in the entire run of the show. We've only done 14 lists of actors specifically.
1: <laughs> I so actually that, didn't know it was that much. So that's pretty funny.
0: <laughs> I thought it was, I thought that was kind of weird. So I was like, we need to do an actor. And I don't remember where it caught my attention, but I thought, let's do Steve Buscemi. Um, this is he's a he's a weird guy. He's a funny guy. He does, whether it's comedies or dramas, he's all over the place. Um, yeah. And he's got a lot of range to him. And it's and I, I ultimately he's a really, really fun actor. And I was like, why not? This is totally a great poll to do. Um. So I realized there's a lot of his early, early, early stuff that I have never seen when I was looking at his uh, credits. Yeah. Uh, but um, I also was like trying to figure out what the first movie I, I really was. I was trying to figure out the first movie I actually saw him in and realized that that's Steve Buscemi. and I'm mildly ashamed to say I think no, never mind it definitely wasn't I I don't want to say ashamed because I thought it was a different movie, but no I'm actually realizing I
1: think it was Desperado was the first movie I saw him in um. That might be the same for me, Um, but honestly, the first movie I saw him in that I was aware of, like, his just presence as a person in the world was definitely Armageddon. Oh, okay. (laughs) And like that might just be because of my age. But I remember because I think I saw Desperado before I saw Armageddon, but I remember Armageddon was the movie that I saw him in that I just kind of became aware of him as an actor even though I probably had seen him in a couple things before that but yeah Yeah, and yeah like I'm pretty
0: sure it was Desperado I thought honestly when I was looking at my list I was like maybe it was Con Air and that's what I was going to say um I'm ashamed to say that that was the first movie I saw Steve Buscemi in because he's a really good actor but he just happened I feel like he's the actor that just happened to be in Con Air as opposed to everybody else um (laughs) well like that sounded that sounded really weird and bad the way I say it because I really like Conair, but it's almost like I feel like for that specific character in Con Air, they were like, "Who could we get? that would fill this role on all levels." Yeah, why did Steve? And then someone's going, "How about Steve Buscemi?" So I feel like it yeah. was the last grab for the cast. You know what I mean? Um, just when you look at it. <laughs> um, anyway, let's let's be careful how we say this because everybody's listening. Um, I have two honorable mentions. Um I have seen thirty-three of
1: Steve Buscemi's movies. Okay, In- I've seen I've seen twenty-eight, so I'm actually pretty close to you oh, this nice. week. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, what
0: how did you find this list? Do you find it difficult to do? Because you sent me a text saying I need more time.
1: Oh, so it was really like I thought it was easy because he's in a lot of movies that I love and I felt like those were easy to narrow down. But when, come, when it comes to nailing your like finite top five, I felt like it was pretty difficult to actually make those final decisions. Like it's definitely these five, if that makes sense. Um, Cause he's in, he's in a lot of great movies, but he's also in a lot of like kind of silly comedies and stuff and like Certain things he's in just weren't going to make my top five. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of where it where the difficulty came in, if that makes sense. No, I got you. Yeah, I completely understand that.
0: Um, but yeah. All right. So do you have any honorable mentions? What's your
1: I just have one this week. So, Well, Um I guess I got to do the first one then. I mean, so- I, I could have two if you want me to, but. <laughs> I, Dude, one your this list.
0: I was just like i was like oh that usually doesn't happen that's why I'm yeah not. yeah i know <laughs> yeah yeah. all right so my first honorable mention is the movie Imp- the imposters have you ever seen this
1: no i actually don't think i've seen this one
0: you've, you've never seen the imposters i don't okay. believe so <laughs> i think you can stop the show right now so you can go watch the imposters <laughs> come back we'll discuss um this is a movie it is oliver platt steve um Oliver Platt, Stanley Tucci are two out of work actors and they end up getting um sucked they end up getting on a cruise ship kind of by mistake and they have to use their acting skills to help them get out of the trouble that they get into while on the ship and all this other stuff that goes on. The these are like master craftsmen at their craft whether we're talking comedic acting, dramatic acting, or just the cast that they put on this um, with, you know, it's this is a f- fantastic, fantastic movie. And it's a lot of fun um, and just roll with whatever happens. And it's a blast. Um, Steve Buscemi has kind of like I feel like he's like a cameo. It was kind of like, let's who else could we get for this movie? He's not really an important character, but his role is kind of more cameo based. Um but the movie itself is really fun. You should definitely check it out. Um, one of my fa- this one of my all-time favorite scenes in a movie, um, is there's a pastry shop scene um, in The Imposters, and Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt, because they're out of work, starving artists. They, the plan is to con the pastry guy into giving them some free pastries, um, and. They have this meeting outside where they're like, no, no, no. Play it small. Keep it cool. You know, you go in, talk to him. I'll come in, threaten him. You come to his aid. He'll give you some free food just to be nice. Say, thanks for helping me out. And then they go in and the whole thing gets totally messed up and it backfires on (laughs) him. Like it's it's one of my favorite scenes just to watch how the dialogue plays out and everything. It's fantastic. Um, Nice. But no, check this movie out. It's great. Um, So, yeah, The Impostors. What is your first one then
1: yeah so the honorable mention i went with is actually uh the wedding singer um i i think it's because of my age like when i was in junior high like adam sandler was like at his peak almost i feel and like i feel like i have such a soft spot for like the older like adam sandler comedies like happy gilmore and billy madison and uh the wedding singer is one of has always been one of my favorites and uh, Steve Buscemi really only has a very short cameo in this movie, but it's kind of one of the, uh, one of the weddings that uh, Adam Sandler's character, Robbie Hart is performing at. Steve Buscemi is the, uh, the, the best man at the wedding. And he kind of gets on stage really drunk and uh, gives this really disgruntled sort of like, just not good best man toast at all. And I actually before uh, doing this week's episode, I actually went back and uh, rewatched that scene. And I, <laughs> I remember being a kid and thinking it was really funny. And as an adult, I kind of feel like that scene is just like, too real and like didn't <laughs> didn't seem as funny but uh it's definitely it's one of those things like he plays the character really well and uh this movie i love like it's one of my favorite adam sandler movies so it had had to make my list but uh yeah that's uh that's my honorable mention right there so
0: nice all right well what is your oh my second honorable mention is the um i almost threw it back at you uh my second honorable mention is the movie fargo um I really wanted to put this at a higher slot on the list because the movie is absolutely fantastic. Um, where the reason it doesn't go higher on my list is because I find it a hard, it's not a hard watch, but it's not one that I'm going to watch over and over and over and over again. In compared to some of the other movies that he has been in, um, he's phenomenal in the movie. It's like one of the best performances is watching him in the movie, but um, it is a movie about, you know, a murder and a cover up and stuff like that and it's a murder mystery kind of a thing. It's just not I don't find it to be the rewatchable movie that some of these other ones are. That's the only reason it makes an honorable mention. Otherwise it would be higher on my list.
1: So. <laughs> nice. Um another nerdy confession for me, I've never seen Fargo. <laughs> so I know I know it got a ton of hype when well. it came out, but It came out when I was in like fourth grade and it was rated R and it was just like I wasn't going to have the chance to see it. And I I know the TV show came out and that got a ton of hype, but I just I've never seen the movie. I'd probably like it a lot if I'd watch it, you know, based on what I've heard. It's just yeah, I don't know. It's been a blind spot for me. So uh, sorry about that. (laughs) Those of you
0: not in the know, the movie, the TV show Fargo is based on the movie Fargo. Right. So. And I always say it that way because sometimes people, you know, like it's the it's that realm of thinking the other one, think the the backwards thinking, like oh, is that based on, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. oh, they, the movie based on the show? Nope, other way around. So,
1: wait, there's a Shrek two. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> wait, there's a Shrek six. Yeah. Um,
0: anyway, <laughs> what's your first actual pick of the night?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my first actual pick, um, I don't remember when, but I talked about this movie pretty recently. I don't remember what list, but I actually went with uh, the movie Monster House. Um, Steve Buscemi plays old man Nevercracker in this movie, who basically he is the old man who owns the uh, house that is haunted, that, you know, is the monster house, the house that eats people or kills people or makes people go missing, however you want to phrase it. But uh, no, I just think this movie is great when it comes to animated, like, CG kids' features. I think there's a lot of really creative stuff they did as far as the character design, the animation itself. Like, it's kind of this CG animation that's made to resemble uh, Claymation in a lot of ways. And I think it's just, like, a really creative story and it's like a really good piece of uh like kids horror that i think gets overlooked in a lot of ways so that's my first pick i recently talked about this so i don't want to drone on too long about this one but uh yeah
0: monster house is um that's a scary movie man i was really surprised at how scary that actually that movie actually is yeah Um, and it's really well done for an animated film. Um, but then you look and you realize it's Steven Spielberg behind it and you go, Oh yeah, of course that's why.
1: So. <laughs> well, I I think that's why I like it a lot because it is, it does deliver on the scares, but it's also like, it's a kid's movie, but the story, like the backstory behind the house and like what the monster house actually is and how that all plays out. It's very, tra- it's like this tragic love story actually. And I love when, uh, Like when children's movies don't take the audience for granted, like they don't underestimate the amount of like emotional or like just intelligent storytelling they can give to kids, you know, it kind of harkens back to me to... The movies that I grew up with, which, you know, half of them were Steven Spielberg movies. But I always appreciate that when it's a kid's movie that doesn't uh, underestimate its audience in a lot of ways. And I feel like Monster House really does deliver in that regard. So, you know, the way you say that is I like it when all movies don't take their audience for granted. So <laughs> not just kids I, movies. But that's a good point. I feel like it's more common with kids movies. But these days you can never be too sure. So good point there. Yeah,
0: I understand. All right. So my first one is The Island. Um, I've talked about this movie before. Um, It's a fantastic movie. It's probably Michael Bay's best film, in my opinion. Um, But it's um, it's literally about. I don't want to – if I talk about what it's about, I'm going to ruin the movie because my biggest frustration with this movie is the jacket. If you pick up the box, if you pick up the DVD read the description online or something like that because, ooh, I'm going to check out this movie, the description will ruin the plot of the movie. And it bugs – it's like why would you – like that's the twist in the film. Why would you put that on the box? (laughs) Um, because that was my favorite part was not knowing what the movie was really about. And I was kind of, I was at the point where my brain was going, okay, I'm kind of bored. I don't know what's going on. And then they laid the twist on you and you're like, oh, whoa, this whole thing just blew open, you know? Um, but Steve Buscemi is this really great supporting character in the movie. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch at the beginning as he be kind of, as he kind of guides, uh, Ewan McGregor along the way until Ewan McGregor finds out what's really going on. Um, and then yeah. Steve Buscemi tries to guide along a little bit longer, but really cool movie. So check out The Island if you haven't. Um, yeah. Anyway, I I
1: I really enjoyed The Island. Um, I think it's an awesome movie. My issue with it is like, I saw it. I think I've only watched it through once, so I probably could really use a uh, rewatch of it because I actually didn't remember that Steve Buscemi was in this film. And this is one of those. While I was putting my list together, I saw that this movie was on the list. And I was like, I didn't even realize he was in that. (laughs) So I think I need a rewatch of this movie, but it is great. And I feel like a uh, non-spoiler enticement for the audience. I feel like you could say like, to me, as long as I'm remembering things correctly, I feel like the island fits into those sort of like really good mind blowing sort of like utopian society sort of stories like, uh, anthem or the giver or um equilibrium like that so if you like that sort of movie i feel like the island fits in with that vibe pretty well you know without trying to spoil anything at all i
0: should have i should have said that good call yeah <laughs> yeah anyway um what's your next one for the night
1: right so uh the next pick i went with is actually uh big fish um oh and uh yeah, in the movie Big Fish, um, Steve Buscemi plays the character Norther Winslow, who is uh, the character who, um, I guess it's it's not the main character, but the main character's dad, who I think is named Edward, meets on his sort of like exploits. Um, back in the day, he meets Norther Winslow in the town of Spectre, which is kind of the weird... Um, Really serene, almost utopian little town in the middle of the dark forest that uh, the main character's dad encounters. And um, yeah, this is I don't know. Big Fish is an amazing movie. I'm being super vague here, but it's kind of hard because it's such a it's such a big movie. It's hard to even think of how to describe Steve Buscemi's role in it while describing the movie as the as a whole. But I think it's like an amazing movie about if you're into storytelling, if you're into um, family dynamics, like the main character's relationship with his father and the tall tales that his father tells throughout that character's life is like a huge centerpiece of the movie. But I always really appreciated Steve Buscemi's character in this film because The character of Edward in this movie is such a um, he's such an adventurer. Like he's a guy who went on many travels. He met a lot of crazy characters and stuff. And he has so many stories. And there's the bit in the town of Spectre in this movie where it's really this serene village in the middle of this dark forest. And everybody there doesn't wear shoes. They get rid of their shoes as soon as they enter the town. And they live this sort of luxurious quaint relaxing life and to me and i this is my impression of the movie this is without me researching it at all but the feeling that i get from the whole specter sequence in that movie is like you have two paths in life you have the path of comfort you can choose like a respectable comfortable job and just move forward with that and you can kind of have a minimalist attitude minimalist as like you're not going for the gold. You're just kind of relaxing and kind of coasting through life. Or you can try to be adventurous. You can take risks and you can go try to achieve big things. And I feel like that's why the main character or the the father character, Edward, decided to leave Spectre is because he realized like, I'm destined for bigger things than this. I want to go achieve bigger things than this small quaint town has to offer me. And uh, later on in the movie, (laughs) you're actually reunited with Steve Buscemi's character because he was inspired by Edward to leave Spectre as well. (laughs) It's really funny when you meet up with that character and you see that. Steve Buscemi's character decided he wanted to be a bank robber, (laughs) so instead of, like, he did go on an adventurous path, but he kind of went the opposite way, where he just decided to, you know, travel the country robbing banks, which I thought was, like, a really hilarious sort of reunion with that character, but, Drew, I don't know what your thoughts are on this movie, or my take on that little bit of... uh, the story but yeah I, big fish is awesome like everybody should watch it so
0: big fish obviously made my short list and e- everyone needs to watch this show yeah Stevie yeah. is great in this movie but this is a perfect movie you know that line in star wars when <laughs> obi-wan sa- when luke is qu- talking about um his father and obi-wan says um um from a certain point of view um it's from return of the jedi and he's like what he's like You know, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, Well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view, right? And this is a perfect movie that lends to that big time because Obi-Wan, it's not Obi-Wan, um, you have the, the Ewan McGregor is the dad. Like in the flashbacks, Ewan McGregor is the is the dad, and he's telling his son all these stories. And as the son is listening to him, it's like it's a story has become like like as a kid, he just, you know, listened to his dad's stories and they get more fantastical as the movie goes and more like harder to believe and harder to stomach. And his dad's like, you know, you've been telling me these lies your whole life. Can you actually tell me a real story? Blah, blah, blah. The end of the movie, spoiler alert, when his dad does die, I mean, he's been out for what, like almost 20 years now. Um, So I don't feel like I'm spoiling too bad. It's your fault for not watching it. Um, The... (laughs) um, the uh when his dad finally passes away and the son goes to the funeral he finds out all of the the story that his dad uh told everything was real just yeah. from a certain point of view and the son's mind because he loved stories had filled in the fictional gaps and it became much more than you know and that's I loved that part at the end when you find out how true everything really was and you're just like Well, they're not – in the son's mind, they were conjoined twins, but they're not conjoined twins. The dad said they were Siamese twins because they're Siamese and they're twins. (laughs) You know, not the way the son's brain put them together. And then the giant and then the circus people and so on and so on. It's like all these things were real, just not the way his son had imagined them because his imagination filled in a lot of the gaps.
1: And it's just such a beautiful,
0: beautiful movie. But, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I think I couldn't say anything else. Like, I think you did such justice to the movie with what you just said. But uh, the one thing I would add is like, this movie is a Tim Burton film. And I think it's like, This is a really good Tim Burton film. I feel like sometimes Tim Burton gets too into it's almost like Tim Burton gets influenced by himself by himself, where he's like, I'm making a movie and it has to feel like a Tim Burton movie. But (laughs) Big Fish is like a movie where it's just like Tim Burton set out to make a great story and he didn't add in a lot of creepy Tim Burton stuff. It's kind of like a really subtle in that regard. But he really. Pulled off like a really cool, intricate tale uh, with this one. So, yeah, awesome movie. Definitely check it out if you've never seen it. So,
0: yeah. All right. Um, well, my next one is The Big Lebowski. Nice. Um, did we match on this, by the way? I have a feeling that we're going to match on a, some of these, to be completely honest. Or maybe we're not. I just was like putting my list together. I'm like, I bet we match on a whole bunch of stuff. So,
1: uh, uh we didn't match on this one, but it definitely is a great pick, so...
0: <laughs> all right, um, so The Big Lebowski, it's, it's really funny, because I was talking about this, this came up at a party, and I heard someone say, wait, is that the movie about bowling? And then we're like, <laughs> well, kind of. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. And then the person started talking more about the movie, and we all went, no, you're thinking of Kingpin. <laughs> 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 so um but yeah the big lebowski it's the story of the dude um yeah good stuff man um it's it's just a really fun movie and steve buscemi he's a supporting role and he um he has this uh he's just a part of like the so jeff bridges plays the dude uh that's his character's name and uh Steve Buscemi just basically plays one of the good friends that goes bowling with him a lot. So you get to see, like, he's just a supporting character. And it's really funny to, like, kind of just watch the banter and stuff like that. Um, the movie, the big ultimate question is, is Big Lebowski a drama or a comedy? What do you think?
1: I think it's a Cohen Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very safe answer, my friend. Very safe answer. Um, no, I think th- I think it's a comedy. I think it is a comedy at at heart but there's the drama aspects but it's it's the cohen brothers like it's a intricate like batshit crazy story like I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer
0: that question <laughs> yeah and then i will say which i think is hysterical is um i do think that tara reed is a method actor in a way that we didn't realize and she got trapped in the character of bunny lebowski and never got out um
1: interesting so- yeah, right. <laughs> it um, makes right. me think we should do terror read movies now. Really. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. What is your next pick of the night? Yeah, so my next one, another movie I talked about recently. This movie is really dumb, but it had to make a list. I went with Airheads again, which uh, uh, of course the, the cool thing about Airheads though is Steve Buscemi is always like you just talked about the Big Lebowski, like he plays a side character, like. Most movies that he's in, he plays a side character, but you watch Airheads and he is one of the three protagonists of the film. And this is the movie about it's Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler. This movie came out in the mid 90s. It's about all those three characters are in a heavy metal band and they're going to take a radio station hostage until they can get a record contract or at least have their song played on the radio. That's an awesome plot for a film like that's just so good. Mm -hmm. And like this movie is this movie I love. Like I've rewatched it so many times. It's one of those things that I've said this before, but it's one of those things that. I feel like a lot of people have seen it but it's still there's enough people that haven't that you can always introduce new friends to this movie and it's just always like there's so much entertainment value in this film like when it comes to just like action and, and plot but also just like hilarious dialogue and uh, it's one of those movies that's filled with like tons of Easter eggs when it comes to rock and roll history and all that so I don't know this movie is amazing Steve Buscemi's character is hilarious he I feel like he doesn't have necessarily the most talking lines out of the main characters, but he has some of the best moments and uh some of the best uh mannerisms and stuff like that. Like there's this part where he does like he flips off a bunch of the cops outside, but he kind of pairs it with like a W like an old school W W F like suck it mannerism <laughs> at the same time. Right. And it's just like it's such a funny thing. It's something that uh me and uh, our other brother Sean, who's been on the show a couple times, will do it every once in a while to each other just because we think it's hilarious. But uh, no, this this movie's great, so uh, check it out. But I talked about it recently, so I don't want to go on too much for it. But yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Buscemi
0: is probably one of my favorite parts of Airheads just <laughs> just in term just his character specifically. He seems to be. Even though Brendan Fraser is like the leader of the band, Steve Buscemi seems to be the one who actually has his head screwed on straight, <laughs> um, with and, to err uh, to the side of a little crazy, which is makes it, yeah makes it a lot of fun.
1: Like uh, he he's he's the straight man, but at the same time he's also embracing the crazy rock and roll lifestyle, which is pretty funny too. So
0: yeah. And in terms of Steve Buscemi playing straight men, that will come to uh, my next pick. And as much as I was trying to save what I was saying about the movie earlier, um, Con Air makes my list. Um, Oh, awesome. Ultimately, this movie is just a ton of fun. Um, My biggest criticism of this movie is the last minute and a half where there's a geographical location change that makes zero sense. Um and that's where uh, John, John Malkovich's character – am i I'll ruin this real quick. John Malkovich's – it's the death scene of John Malkovich's character. He is on the ladder – like, it's the chase scene on the fire truck, and John Malkovich is on the ladder, and they hit the switch to raise the ladder up into the air. And then they hit the power lines, and he gets electrocuted. Okay, I'll buy it. And then he dies, right? And then they cut to the cleanup of, you know – Nicolas Cage meeting his family and the regular cleanup at the end of the movie. And then right before the credits roll, you see John Malkovich on a conveyor belt at a rock quarry. And he wakes up just before his head gets smashed. (laughs) I don't know how he got electrocuted on the strip of Las Vegas and somehow ended up in a rock quarry to get his head get smashed. (laughs) There's no there's zero transition there there's no transition at all. It's just I'm like,
1: what? what? There's like a deleted scene in there that never made the final cut or something like that. <laughs> there has to be. It it does not make sense. And it regardless.
0: Steve Buscemi plays um he is the Silence of the Lambs serial killer in the movie. Right. Oh, and you know it's him when they bring him out. Like when you see him before they take the mask off and all that stuff, you know it's him. And honestly, like the entire time before he actually says a word, like, he really made my skin crawl throughout the movie. Um, And it wasn't until after the interaction with the little girl that I suddenly found his performance funny. Like, I found he was going to be the comedic, like, part of the movie. Um, He, uh, or a comedic part of the movie. Because he, like, he was really like, wow, this guy is messed up. He's a completely psychotic. Um, He's incredibly intelligent, but he's, like, totally, like, living in a world that we don't understand. And then he's got the interaction with the little girl. I'm like, oh, man, don't kill kids in this movie, too. Don't do that. <laughs> and then you find out, no offense, no, sorry, guys, spoiler again, but you find out that he didn't kill the little girl and it's basically a part of his own personal, like, rehabilitation, if you will. Um, so, yeah, just amazing stuff. Like, it's it's a really fun movie. <laughs> And, and the big question of if you had to watch one movie for the rest of your life, would it be The Rock
1: or Con Air? Which one would you pick? <laughs> <laughs> it inevitably comes down to those two films. It does. Um, Look, if you're going to if you're going to be stuck with
0: these are the only movies you can watch for the rest of your life and you had to pick The Rock or The Con Air, which one do you go with? Man, talk, that, that's the that's the uh, ultimate debatable question.
1: I would just go with Airheads, personally. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, uh, this movie's great. I think I've only seen it once, to be honest. So, like, a lot of the parts aren't super fresh in my mind. But I think, uh, no, I think it's a, definitely a good call. And, like, I remember you talking about that sort of weird time jump that doesn't make sense in this film. Uh, you've talked about that on the podcast before, and I still haven't re-watched the movie since you talked about that. So it's definitely still... Something I'm going to be paying attention to. But I think there is a testament to like this is a 90s action movie where I feel like at that time period, they were just more focused on like entertainment value than whether there was like certain plot holes and stuff that didn't make sense. So they're like, I guess this doesn't really make sense, but it's still really entertaining and cool. We're going to keep it in the movie. <laughs> and Sometimes you have to do that, I think. So there you go. Yeah.
0: All right. Um what is
1: your number two pick for the night? Yeah, so this is one that I expect we might match on. I actually went with the movie uh, Desperado. Yes, we certainly did. And in this slot too. So oh, awesome. So Desperado is awesome. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Um, I really love this movie. Um, it's like a great action movie and it's a great like modern uh, I guess you could you could call it a western, which I think is pretty awesome, like so many cool gunfights, and just really awesome fight scenes. But in Desperado, you have the uh, the main character, um, Antonio Banderas, who I don't know his character name, but I guess you could go with El Mariachi. Like, I feel like you can call him that. Sure. but I'm
0: pretty sure that's
1: actually what his character name is. Okay, cool. I didn't know if there was, like, a specific, like you know, real name and surname that we could associate with him. But I'll just call him El El Mariachi. But Steve Buscemi kind of plays like this sort of like best friend slash like sidekick slash, slash like partner in crime with him. And I think he just does that role so well. And I feel like my favorite moment with Steve Buscemi is like at the beginning, like you have Steve Buscemi walks into this bar in Mexico and he kind of like tells the story of this, like, mariachi guitarist who has a, um, you know, he has a guitar case full of guns and how he's, like, hunting down all these uh, minions of, uh, I think Bucho is the, the villain in this movie, but it's kind of like this sort of thing where, like, Steve Buscemi comes in and tells the story. He's kind of like, the hype man for Antonio Banderas's character to kind of like freak out all these guys in the bar who happen to be in cahoots or like goons or henchmen of like the main bad guy of this movie. And it's like such a cool scene. Um, I think shortly before Steve Buscemi makes an appearance, you have like, a uh, cameo by Quentin Tarantino, which is also awesome and hilarious. But no, this movie definitely had to make my list. And like Steve Buscemi has such a good he has such a good role in this movie. But he's also like he's a funny character, but he's also a serious character. And I feel like this movie is a really good like best of both worlds uh steve buscemi film in that way but uh yeah drew what are your thoughts on desperado <laughs> well we've talked about desperado a lot i love absolutely um,
0: <laughs> he the, the move what i love is that <laughs> steve buscemi i feel like he's only in the movie for like maybe the first quarter of the film yeah um, but he literally like he walks in and he's just like, Hey, I'm here. I'm a party guy. What's going on in the bar? What's what are you guys up to? Yeah, hey. Like that's totally like the attitude he's got. And then he sits down and he starts talking about being at a bar and this like horrible thing happens and he starts telling this like story specifically designed to like scare the guys working yeah. at the bar, you find out. But when he's done telling the story, he's like, All right, well, hey, that was a good game. Yeah, all right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Like <laughs> It's just really funny, and then he goes and meets uh, um, uh, Antonio Banderas, and kind of sets him up. Like, all right, man, I went in. I asked about it. They got all quiet when I mentioned the one name. I think you're good to go. Blah blah blah. and Then he goes in, and
1: yeah, so. <laughs> kicks some um, ass. And then there's just an awesome ex- action exactly. scene after that. <laughs> uh, he is you. You get introduced to Steve
0: Buscemi very early in that movie, and it's just golden. So,
1: and you yeah. did you did point out something go- like. I guess like this is spoilers, but he does die way too soon in the movie. Cause he is a really like cool, lovable character. And then, um, I think it's, um, what's his face? Uh, Danny Trejo, who's the kind of like really cool, like knife guy that, uh, Antonio Banderas has to fight. But I think Steve Buscemi gets killed by the knife guy, which, uh, that was a uh, pretty unfortunate unless I'm remembering that wrong. But, uh, yeah, he's just one of those characters who died too soon. And, uh, I don't know. Rest in peace, I guess. <laughs> so, Right. Um, <laughs> right. All right. Well, moving on. What's your final pick of the evening? Yeah. So my final pick, which I feel like we might have matched. I actually went with uh, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, we um, certainly did. Awesome. So I know we've talked about this movie a little bit on the podcast before, but I think when it comes to this list, I think when you focus on a movie that has a Steve Buscemi performance, I feel like this is one of I want to say one of the best or, like, the best, like, Steve Buscemi plays Mr. Pink and, like, he has such a good performance throughout the whole movie. And when it comes to even how the movie concludes, like, he kind of has, like, a really cool uh pivotal moment. And I love the open-endedness of the end of, the, of this movie and how it's, like, did mr pink actually get away and stuff like that and yeah i don't know i drew what are your thoughts on reservoir dogs <laughs> i think you're gonna make me think of more stuff to talk about when it comes to this
0: sure well reservoir dogs as you know is a phenomenal tarantino film it's probably one of my favorite tarantino films um and we've talked about it heavily in the past but steve semi playing mr pink um look he's got this great bit at the beginning where it's like why am i mr pink because they're <laughs> giving out the code name so everyone's a color so mr white yeah so- Mr. Pink, Mr. Yellow, Mr. Blue, so on and so on. They all have different colors for their code names. And he's like, why do I have to be Mr. Pink? And he's like, why? Like, And he starts, like, going off about it. And the guy's like, because you're Mr. Pink. You know what I mean? Um, And then he starts talking about why Mr. Pink is bad. And it's like, dude, shut up. You're Mr. Pink. Um, <laughs> and then they're putting in for the tip. And Steve He's like, no, I'm good. I don't tip. And he's like, what? And he's like, "Yeah, that? that's like, the why not? That I and he heard. goes on this whole big <laughs> monologue, like, well, why he doesn't tip at restaurants? <laughs> it's so good um but then you know they also cover like I mean Steve Buscemi and then they you know after the the jewel heist and then back to the warehouse and you know dealing with everything it's just it's so good like it's just great it's the issue of great writing with great delivery um and just playing with the text and context of the character and stuff uh he's just fantastic in it so yeah
1: Yeah, exactly. Great writing and great delivery. And it's one of those movies that has such a great uh, cast that um, it's one of those things that like Steve Buscemi nowadays is a household name. But I feel like when this movie came out, he probably wasn't really as well known as he is now. So it's kind of like he was just like, you know, the gangly, funny guy. And it's like, of course, he would end up getting assigned like the color pink for his name. (laughs) Like, of course, he's like disgruntled about that. But like, I feel like And when you look at the rest of the cast, like Michael Madsen and, uh, you know, other actors in this movie, I feel like a lot of the other ones weren't necessarily as well known. So, uh, no, this this movie's great. I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of just one of those great movies. I don't know what else to say about it, you know, but uh, yeah.
0: (laughs) No, I got you. Well, that brings
1: us to the end of this list.
0: But what are we doing next week? Because next week's your call. So.
1: Yeah. So this is, I've kind of got a weird list and I feel like we've done lists that are similar, but I'm pretty certain we haven't done this before, but Guillermo del Toro has a movie or has a series that just came out on Netflix. And I think it's kind of a, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I think it's kind of a, uh, like horror anthology series that came out for, um, kind of an honor of Halloween or whatever. And, uh, Because the series came out, I started thinking about Guillermo del Toro and following him online and social media and stuff. And Guillermo del Toro, if you've ever seen like the inside of his house, it is incredible because he has a house that's filled with collectibles and movie props and weird, like nerdy, like monster, monster sculptures and tons of books and stuff. But at the same time, his house is very classy looking, you know, he's like the type of guy who's like, Oh, yeah, I've got this corner of the room is like my classic horror comic collection. And I've got this huge manga collection over here and these crazy universal monster statues over here. But at the same time, the house looks really classy and extravagant in that sort of Adams Family sort of way. And it got me thinking, what if you could have unlimited budget, what sort of like pop culture and movie props would you want to have to decorate your home with? So like what kind of pop culture props would you want for your own collection if budget was not of, of a concern? So if that makes my sense. So favorite
0: like movie memorabilia. Yes, decoration items.
1: Pretty much. And that's that's where I was struggling with this one is how do you phrase that? But I think it'd be a pretty fun uh, thing to think about. Another classic like to get like kind of in that mode of thinking is if you remember the show MTV Cribs, like the crib show on MTV where it would show like different musical artists' they had houses,
0: a face poster on their wall.
1: What's that? Where everyone had their a
0: Scarface <laughs> poster on their wall?
1: Yes, everyone had a Scarface poster, but There was an episode where they they toured Rob Zombie's house is what I was going to say. And Rob Zombie had the same level of like kind of a creepy, cool Adams family sort of house, but just tons of cool, nerdy collectibles when it comes to the world of like sci fi and horror and pop culture. So that's kind of where my mind was. But yeah, I think this would be pretty fun. Like what? You know, like I would want like, I don't know, the Edward Scissorhands gloves on a shelf in my house. Like I would want blank in my house. So that's kind of my thought process for this one. Yeah. Uh, no, that's actually really kind of a cool list. Uh, and uh, and it's got to be stuff that I don't already own, right? <laughs> well, think of it. Budget is not of concern. So okay. I'm assuming you would pick stuff you don't already, well, already like, own. Well, Like,
0: for example, I own... Uh, um, the, I own a prop replica of Long Claw from Game of Thrones, Jon Snow's sword. Um,
1: so, so for it. this list, you could just pick the actual sword. <laughs> what oh, I, I see. Like the actual used sword, sword. Not, yeah. Not, not the prop, rec- uh, prop replica. That's yes, prop yeah. Use one. I see, I got you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. No, that's
0: actually kind of a fun list because um, I literally thought of like two right away, and then I was like, That's awesome. This could be a really heavy-hearted list to discuss. Absolutely. um, All right. Well, everybody, um, that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Before we go, however, while we talk, um, I scroll news just to make sure there's nothing we missed before we close the episode. And sometimes stuff drops right after we turn off the microphone. and It bums me out. Um, But something dropped while we were talking. um, And it is uh, director and producer behind Stranger Things. Sean Levy is headed to the Star Wars galaxy. A uh, Hollywood performer, uh, Hollywood reporter confirms the filmmakers developing a feature for Lucasfilm possibly to direct. Um, here's what I'll say to this. That sounds cool. But I think Lucasfilm needs to stop announcing stuff, just like Disney said they need to stop doing, because I don't have any clue. I'm getting to a point. I do a really I think I do a really good job of trying to keep up with everything coming out. But I'm starting to get to a point of I don't know what Star Wars projects are actually coming so please either lay it on a table and tell us what's actually coming or stop giving us Star Wars news because I don't really know how to take some of it sometimes. So,
1: yeah, agreed. Like really cool news. I'm here for that. But at the same time, wait till something's far enough in development that it's for sure going to happen before announcing it. Right. So and I agree Star
0: Wars that. has backpedaled on a handful of stuff already. and. They need to and not that they're in a bad place because Star Wars, they're pumped that, they, you know, they got good stuff coming. But I think they need to get their house in order in terms of what's actually coming out, because, you know, yeah, Andor's great right now. We got Mandalorian coming. Great. We got Ahsoka coming. Great. But those are all TV stuff. What's the actual slate of the movies? That's what I want you guys to get your house in order. And don't tell me anything until you're for sure. Because, <laughs> you know, last I heard, Rogue Squadron got shelved. So let's see what happens. Um, but at any rate, um, yeah, well, anyway, guys, let's, uh, close this out episode out. Um, if you're all right with that, Peter, cool. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sounds good. I'm like, you got quiet. I thought <laughs> I lost you there. I'm like, whoa. No. Hey. <laughs> um, all right, everybody, uh, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top five They will find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up there. Social media, either way works. Um, We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and Amazon Music. Um, You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what
1: about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And that's where I'll be letting you know that, man, I'm glad I called that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, everybody, for the Top
0: 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good night.